Welcome to the best show in the world. It's called Damn Mom Really, also known as the show that nobody wants to be on and everybody wants to listen to. My name is Danae Reed and I'm going to be the host of this show for the next hour. So sit back and relax and listen to us laugh, cry, yell, curse, do whatever we got to do to get through the grief of losing our mamas. This beat that you're listening to was made by Scott Reed Jr. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the best podcast of the world. My name is Danae, and I am the host of this show, Damn Mom, really the podcast that nobody wants to be on and everybody wants to listen to. And today I have with me an amazing guest. Her name is Alexis. Alexis, welcome to the building. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Alexis, tell the folks a little bit about you. I am a Philly native. I went to Howard University. I'm a paralegal. I'm a makeup artist, a sister, daughter, all those good things, friend. <laughs> paralegal and makeup artist. That's so interesting because they feel like they would be on two completely separate parts of the spectrum. So would you say you're both right brain and left brain? I would say so, even though like math, science are not my twist, but I think that for makeup, for me, it taps into like the more artistic side, whereas like I'm critically thinking when I'm working and I'm like going over paperwork and then I can just kind of let loose. And when I'm doing makeup, it's kind of like your face is a canvas. So it's always a good time. I get to express myself and helping people to feel more beautiful than they already are is also a great part of that. What part of your desire to work as a paralegal or even the artistic side of you, what part of that comes from personal desire or maybe even lack of being able to express yourself? I think that a lot of times just growing up as Black people, we have this idea that like you can only do one thing Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, if you're going to have a good job, your good job looks like this, whether it's a doctor, a lawyer, you know, you're doing something where it's like you have a government job. A lot of times artistic side is more so kind of like, okay, that can be your hobby or something you're interested in, but it is not necessarily always the space where you're like, this is how you're going to survive. So I think it just comes from that kind of sometimes old school idea of like one is your hobby and one is your like career. Even though when I was in school, it was like both of them were my job. Like I did makeup, but I also did, I had internships and I was like, like, yeah, I want to go to law school. So like, this is how I'm doing this one side of my life, like two sided resume. I had one side, like this is how this is going. And then the other side, like this is how this is going. So they feed two different parts of, I want to say the same dream. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Alexis, tell us what brings you here today. Well, I have been a fan of the podcast overall, just listening to it. Although I don't share necessarily the, the same experiences as some of the other guests, I lost my brother a year ago, and I thought it would be kind of special because I'm in between the anniversary of his passing and his birthday anniversary was next month. So I thought it would be kind of special to talk about him and to also talk about another side of grief, whereas your parent changes when you lose a sibling and how that even as an older sibling myself, you know, when you parent your younger siblings, it also feels like, I don't want to say my first motherly loss, but that's also what it kind of feels like too. So I wanted to talk a little bit about my younger brother Mm -hmm. and um, share what my grief journey has been like. Yeah, absolutely. And I also am an older sister. I definitely get the whole idea of parenting and 
not being the parent, but kind of feeling like you're a third parent or you're like kind of a also an additional parent when it comes to your younger siblings, especially I feel like older women to younger brothers. It is, uh, yeah, that's like a completely <laughs> it's different- It's a task. It's a completely <laughs> different beast. And I want to send my condolences to you and your family about your brother. And I can't even imagine what that's been like for you. And I would love to kind of hear about your experience and, and you know, what you've been going through this past year. So my younger brother, his name was Justin Smith. He passed away last year, July 7th. So trigger warning for anybody. It won't be like graphic or anything like that, but he was coming home from work with his best friend and he and his best friend were killed. There was no like motive or specific reason of why like the person chose them, but they were both killed coming home from work. And that too is like its own kind of difficult part to process. My brother was 20 years old. He would have been 21, August 25th. And not just losing my brother, but also looking at support and your, who your support systems are. Losing his best friend as well is also difficult because his friend, Tahim, was also like another person and also just someone that I would have talked to Justin yeah. about. So they both passed and they were only a block away from home. They actually met at Broad and Alany. It was about 1030 because they figured it'd be safer to come home together. And the guy that followed them got on the bus and just, I guess, kind of targeted them. Not from the bus. There was no like interactions or anything like that. But he also unfortunately killed another young man about 10 days prior to wow. that specific murder. So that was how he was caught. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know it's probably hard to kind of relive those details and speak life to something that is really difficult to kind of unearth and talk about. How has the loss of your brother changed the relationship with your mom? So when it happened, my mom is the kind of person that if you know her, you know she loves her kids. And we can get in an Uber, my mom and I. <laughs> and within those five minutes, she's given the Uber driver the whole rundown of her kids, what they have going on. And we all, the three of us, are individuals. But like she just loved all of us in such a way that going to tell her was the hardest part. When I found out, I was in shock, but the immediate grief was not of my own, but having to be the person to tell her. So I also have an older sister and I wind up telling my older sister later in the day, but I had missed calls from my brother and missed calls from my dad and like my stepmom. So initially I thought something happened to my dad because I'm like, you know, he's older. Oh my gosh, I, I'm like still in shock, but I'm like, you know, oh no, you know, something must have happened to my dad. When I found out later from my dad, it was like 5 a.m. I was like, did you tell my mom yet? And he's like, no, we're trying to get her on the phone. And I was like, I have to tell her myself. And my mom lives in Pottstown. So my brother and I, and I called my aunt, my mom's sister, and I told her, you know, what happened. And I said, I have to go tell her. So the immediate shock of like, having to tell her was so difficult. We walked in the door, told her, and she fell out. And I just thought of like thinking of the relationship with my mom, even in that small context. I knew that this was going to change who she was because of how much she loved her kids. Even if we're grown, you never think of your relationship with your parent as, I don't want to say that a part of it has died, but a part of it has died 
because a part of her has gone with my brother. So I want to say that I don't, it hasn't made things bad, but it's just changed things. And can you kind of give us some examples of how that might have changed? It's interesting because even though I'm the oldest, so I'm, I am, I'm 28. My mom, when I would just speak to her, not necessarily in the very beginning, but just as time has progressed and like I've started to go out and do things, her immediate concern for safety is always like, be careful out there or I don't want you to go to the city. You know what I mean? And she is like a New York native, moved Mm. to Philadelphia. You know what I mean? She's a hustle and bustle kind of lady. (laughs) So it's not that she was never not concerned with safety, but it's become one of the things that really like factors into like our conversation just in our day to day. Like, how are you getting where you're going? That kind of thing has always been like a part of just her momming. Like, hey, you know, let me know when you got somewhere. But it's different when she like calls me when after it's been too long. Like, hey, you didn't let me know you got in safe, you know. So that part has changed. And I also think that her relationship with God has changed as mine has changed. And I think that that I don't look at that as a negative thing because everybody's journeys look different. Yeah. But it is an interesting concept when you look at like your own personal religious journey and also looking at somebody else's walk and extending them grace for the times where your walks don't look the same or they can't look the same because you're at different places with God. Yeah. Seeing those changes in your mom, how does that make you feel? Like even just on a personal level for her, looking at her as your mother, as this person you love, how do you feel about seeing her change in that way? What does that do to you? It's changed me in a way that it's given me strength Mm -hmm. because I've watched her go through something that I would never like expected her to go through in her life and also just how she has tackled it and even looking at how she extends grace to other people even though I know what she's been through in the last year everybody's grief journey is different she still is you know sending people love and letting them know like you know sometimes people also go to like the matriarchy of your family as like a source of support and you know a source of strength and it's interesting and it's shown me a lot too just being a woman like how even at her darkest she still is a pinnacle of strength for other people who are leaning on her for the same reason that she needs someone to lean on and I think also too being the oldest daughter and not having any children yet it's kind of like watching her maneuver through this difficult time I have more admiration for her as a woman outside of just being a mom Because that is a title that anyone can have, but really seeing her strength just as a woman, as a person outside of like who she is to me has made a big change on who I want to be as a person. So I have not lost a sibling, but my grandparents have lost their daughter. And so I have seen kind of the ways that my grandmother specifically maneuvers now and has changed and stuff. And I've noticed that my mom now tends to kind of be at the forefront of their mind. My mom has two sisters as well, but it kind of seems like not everything is about her, but when you lose somebody, like so much of them becomes so much of everything that the people who are directly impacted, like a parent or siblings or whatever, go through, it becomes the forefront of everything. Do you find that your mom has done that with your brother? And if so, like, how do you feel about that as a sibling or as a child? Uh... Um, And this is one of those things where 
again, extending grace is that for someone where her kids were the center of her conversation, now the loss of my brother, it was difficult for me in the beginning, the first couple of months, because it was all we talked about, whether it was arrangements or whether it was sometimes just the shock, because it was kind of like the way the timeline was, it was like his birthday, then it was the fall. And for our family, the fall is a big time. It's like birthdays, my brother, my mom, uh, my other brother, we all share birthdays in the fall and then it's the holidays. So it was just like back to back. So it was like, you know, his birthday. And then it turned around and it was my other brother's birthday. And, you know, it just felt like every conversation was in some way shaped around the loss of my brother, Justin. Mm -hmm. And it still is. (laughs) It still is. I'm not going to say that it hasn't changed, but I've learned how to maneuver in the conversation in a way that it doesn't always have to feel like grief, but sometimes of celebration, whether it's just talking about something good that's happened and we wish that he was here to be here for it, or just my mom will be like, you know, oh, thank you, Justin. (laughs) And we'll joke that way because it's like something good has happened. You know, he is our angel and we're grateful for him. And even also too, because my grandmother passed the year before Justin passed. So we had like two significant losses, two summers back to back. Just watching my mom even maneuver through like the loss of her mother. And then the following summer, her as a mother losing her son, those two different losses and how she grieved them differently, just as she was processing it, like to go from, she's the oldest of all her siblings. So she's like getting things together, getting things in order to, you know, the following summer, all of her siblings having to come up under her and to lift her up. It definitely has changed our conversations. I've grown to accept it now. And when I'm able to, I give myself grace because sometimes I'm not. Sometimes it's hard to have someone like talk about such a sensitive topic. So, you know, just like, oh, matter of factly, but in a way that's like they have every right to because that's their son. But sometimes I just be like, okay, mom, (laughs) all right, I'm gonna talk to you a little bit later. Do you ever or have you felt like you're trying to find where you fit? Um, I think that the difficult thing about being the older sister is that we all had our places where we already fit. And like my middle brother, Rob, he's like eclectic. He's smart. He does a lot of things. <laughs> and I am more so the by the book, like I have to do this, this, and this. Yeah. And I think oftentimes we didn't know what Justin was going to be because mm-hmm. it was like, we were all so opposite. He was quiet, But he was like, these are the things that I like. But he was the kind of person that the room needed to be quiet and you could hear him hum. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like you had to really observe him and like listen to know, you know, I want to know more about him. Whereas like my brother and I are big personalities in our own different ways. So it's like you'll, you'll know what we both have going on. With him, you really had to listen and you had to like be like, okay, you know, what do you want to do or what do you have going on? So I don't think it's necessarily finding a finding where I fit in, but sometimes it's kind of like I can never replace the experiences that he will not get. So that part can be difficult because it's kind of finding my own way while recognizing that someone that I love is not going to be making the same decisions or maneuvering the same way that I will. You know, he'll never get a chance to be the age that I'm at right now trying to figure things out. I think, again, like I, I don't have 
that um, I don't have sibling loss underneath my belt, but I have interacted with my dad in light of him losing my mom, his wife, his best friend. And some of the things that you're sharing feel really similar to me. Even with my brother, I guess in like different ways, which is like why I think that loss is just such a, like an interesting concept in general because you could lose a different person, but some of the things, the underlying things are very similar. But this idea of the conversation always being about my mom, I feel like my brother feels that way about me. Or like trying to kind of adjust to my new place in the family system and what that means. You know, like before I was, I felt like a third parent a lot of times just because I have a big <laughs> ass mouth, you know, but like also that understanding has become a little bit different for me because now I do still feel that way and my brother is very much I don't know he's like not under my wing but he is under my wing and a lot of times I do feel like I I need to parent him so let's like kind of take this back a little bit and talk about your perspective and what it's been for you being the oldest sibling being the oldest sister like do you still feel that parental thing I think that it's changed in the sense that so my middle brother and I like my mom and dad's parents the three of us we're two years apart. So, like, I can parent him all I want to. It only goes so far. Mm-hmm. He knows me in the sense that he's like, that's my bossy older sister. But we're not yeah. so far off. And then he and my brother were five years apart. So that made, like, me and Justin seven years apart. Where it was like, okay, I was, like, when Justin was born, I think I was in first grade. So wow. I'm, like, hand on the hip. Like, this is my baby. you know kind of like taking him around and also just a part of my youth is like okay growing up and going through like middle school and high school like this is literally my baby you know that I'm taking around and even like with my friends coming and supporting me it's like they're like we watched him when he was a baby when he was like under you when he was my responsibility whereas my mom is like make sure that like he eats after school so it's just like those things make it like that is a big part of my memories with him. And for my other brother, it's like, I think that at the age that we're at, and also for himself and his grieving process, that I've tried not to parent him as much because I just didn't think it was what he needed now. And I also don't think I really had the strength always Mm -hmm. to try to give him that direction. One of the biggest things that I've experienced in this grieving process is kind of some of the titles that I felt like I I held for myself. And just one of the things that I've worked through in kind of like therapy is letting go of being like the strong friend and allowing people to like love on me and be vulnerable. And even for my parents, like parenting my parents has been one of the things that I feel like I feel more now than I did before. Because I like I felt it before. And even also seeing how they deal with trauma, being able to like, try to step in and help them so I think that I've gone from like parenting my siblings to parenting my parents (laughs) even though it's something that I don't want to do I don't want to do either one but it's just something you also take on too I think that that part of it makes it a little less hard when you feel like you have someone to focus on Mm -hmm. yeah you just want to be Alexis yeah (laughs) you just want to I feel that I feel that because it is Especially, and I can't speak for males or a person who's, you know, non-gender conforming. I can't speak to their experience because I only know what it's like to be a daughter. But I do 
know that feeling of feeling like you have to like jump up and like every you have to care about everything so much and it's like it feels like everything kind of depends on you it's like oh okay well I know that I have my brother and my dad in the house but it doesn't seem like they talk enough about what they're going through so like now I gotta I gotta step in and be mediator or my brother's upset about something and now I have to super fix it or now my dad is feeling some type of way about something and now I have this like this unyielding loyalty towards him that is just so um <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing because that's like exactly what it is <laughs> yeah no it's okay it's okay and you know and I'm trying to kind of understand that myself and also I think for me understand what it means to be me because sometimes I do feel like I you know kind of placate to what my dad is feeling he might have a thought and I'm like oh I agree with you I don't even know if I do but it's like I know you need something in that moment and so I'm like okay I have this like like I said undying loyalty to my dad and sometimes it's like okay it makes the conversation easy but then it also I'm like but who am I and so I really reflect and understand that sentiment of like just wanting to be yourself and wanting a second to figure it out because when you're dealing with a grief that's so heavy regardless of who you lose it's like I'm thrown in this whirlwind and I'm trying to figure out my position I'm trying to figure out where I stand I'm trying to figure out who I am in relation to all of this but like also just myself as well it's like it throws you into this existential crisis yeah and I think that for some of the people that I love like the closest people to me they've lost their mom and I extend my condolences you know for the loss of your mom Thank you. I think that one of the things even watching them move through their grief and just going through the process is that just learning how to extend yourself grace is so difficult when you're trying to figure out who you are in the midst of all of these things for me when you're talking about how my brother feels how my dad feels I lived with my brothers so it was just the three of us in the house and in one of your previous episodes with Angel, she was talking about the time that God gives you with someone. And you don't even realize you're just getting time with this person before you lose them. And um, the pandemic happened and my brother was in his last year of high school. And it was like a tough year for us. We had a, like a small house fire, nothing so bad, but we were out of the house. So it was like the three of us. And we wound up staying in a hotel and it was like, okay, you know, we're going to live out this little sweet life of Zach and Cody dream. Like, okay, this is cute. But like we each had individual rooms. So I'd have to go and knock on my brother's door in the morning, like get up, you got to go to school. You know what I mean? This is your last year. And I know you don't want to. And some of those videos and stuff like that, I look at from the last like two years, just how short time is that we like spent together registering for him for his SATs and like going in his room, his like hotel room, like get up. And when we finally went home from like the hotel, we were there from like November to the end of February. And then everything shut down in March. So it was like we were all still home. But one of the biggest things was like just playing big sister slash mediator, like coming back, we're all living together. My dad would like come in and try to be like the judge and jury. And it's just like, no, we all have to figure this out like together. But that time that I got to spend with him was so important to me. And I don't, didn't even like realize because I'm older than him. So I'm like, I had went away to school and came back and he's a different person, you know what I mean, than this little kid that I saw him as. Like now he's in high school and he's coming into his last year and he's like, he didn't get a graduation because of COVID. 
And we're like, you know, we're still going to do something special for you. And he's like, you know, all I want to do is just be happy and travel. And I'm done with school and I'm okay with that. And I was like, that's fine. Whatever makes you happy. He was very simple in the way that it's like he didn't need a lot of things to make him happy. He really enjoyed just going places. He loved good food <laughs> and just a good time. So just getting to spend that time with him, even in the midst of like all of us living together, even though we were all figuring life out on our own, it was still like we're all centralized like here. So just that process of like, he's not here figuring it out with us the same way before where he would come and ask me a question or he'd be like, hey, like, should I sign up for this credit card? And I'm like, heck no. You know, those just those little things that as an older sibling, sometimes you take for granted. You think it's dumb. It's just like, I don't want to help you with that. But then I'd do anything for him to call me and ask me, can he use my car? You know, just little dumb stuff like that. So when we started this conversation, you said initially that your grief didn't feel like your own for a while. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that means and how long it took you to get to a space where you felt like you were grieving for yourself? and not for other people? When it first happened, I don't want to say that I shut down, but I kind of just am a problem solver kind of person. So I was just like, okay, these are things that have to be done. And my dad is also like that, but my dad is not strong with communication sometimes. So I was like, well, I have to do the things. And one of the things I do regret is that in the midst of it, I didn't I wish I would have leaned to my mom more in those first few weeks or allowed her. I, I feel like I wanted to shield her from everything, but I wish I would have given her more range to handle things. So like my dad had his hands on a lot of things and I was like, no, you know, let me handle this. So the repass, this, I'm sending pictures, I'm writing obituaries. I was doing a lot and it was like autopilot basically. So I think, and one of the things that I'm working through now is that I spent a lot of time just being on autopilot that sometimes the grief can be so overwhelming because I didn't process it in the moment how I would have, how I probably should have, because I felt like I had to keep going. So now I think that I want to say in the last, I want to say in the last six months or so, it's become more of my own and more at peace because I also think that because I was moving around so much one of the lessons that God taught me was to be still because even after it happened I was like oh I'll be back to work in like a week or so and they're like take your time and I'm like no it's fine I'm here I'm a mess but I'm here you know and a few months after actually in October my car got stolen and I'm like okay it's fine like everything's gonna be fine I'm just gonna figure it out and then Two weeks after my car got stolen, I got laid off. So I was just like, felt like I was couldn't win. And I was just getting hit like with things after thing after thing. And I felt like part of the process of grief is sometimes sitting still with how you're feeling. And until those other things happened, I could not sit still because I was just like, you know, I'm going to keep moving. And it was like, no, you're going to wow. sit still for a moment and be with nothing. And when I was dealing with it at the moment, I was just, it felt like the end of the world. I was just like, I can't have anything else bad happen to me. And then I came to a point a couple of months ago where I was like, these bad things are not happening to me. They're happening for me because something 
is going to happen for me. Something has to change. So I finally, I'm kind of in a better space now where like the grief has become like, it's a part of the room. It's a chair in the room, but it is not in the center of the room anymore. It's not decorated. It's not like sit here. It's more so like some days, you know, I'll be like, all right, let me sit in this for a moment. And then some days I just acknowledge that it's there. Some days I ignore it completely, but most days I can recognize that it's just a part of my life now. Thank you so much for sharing that because like you, I also have gone through this, like everything is going wrong sort of thing. I don't even, I'm not, I don't want to take away from it what you were just saying. So I'm not even going to like list all the things because it's. Listen, I understand. I, <laughs> I, I've, I felt the same way before. So thank you for, you know, saying that. Because I just, I never thought about it that way. I'm just like, God really wants to take me out. I don't know what else, like, there is to say. I'm just, not one of the strongest soldiers. No, I'm, I'm not, not that. Take me off your list. I can't do it no more. But I do think that there is something in grief that really shows you just how resilient you are. And I hate that because it sounds, it's so cliche. And that's what people would tell me in the beginning of this. And I still feel like we're both very much in the beginning of this. You know, I lost my mom around the same time you lost your brother. And so it just, it, it feels like the beginning, but I don't even know why I was saying that. It does though. But let's talk a little bit more about your mom because she sounds like such a lovely woman. <laughs> and I, my heart goes out to all of you. I wish I could give her like a hug because I just, I can't imagine, you know, what it's like to lose a child. Seeing the way that she has shifted and morphed in the process of this, what has that taught you about womanhood or motherhood in general? It's taught me more about motherhood in the sense that it can be painful. Um, part of just thinking about being a mother and even watching my friends who are moms and watching just people that I love that have children, it's taught me just about embracing your child and loving them like wholly. And, you know, a lot of times I think that you can see parents being so hard on their children. And I'm one of the things that I'm grateful for is that I don't think my mom was ever hard on my brother. You know what I mean? One of the things that she always talks about now is that they left on good terms. You know what I mean? She, the, one of the last things she talked to him about was, I love you. You know, whatever you want to do, I'm here for whatever you want to do. And <laughs> he and his longtime girlfriend, the year before, we had went to Florida for his birthday that was what he wanted to do so that was like our last trip together it was just me my mom his girlfriend and we had a good old time one of the things that they had talked about a little bit prior to him passing he was just like you know I just want to be happy and I'm happy right now mom I'm enjoying life and she was so at my mom had recently gotten married so she just, you know, God moves things around. She had just moved to Pottstown a few months before things happened. And my brother and I, I had just moved out of the house with them. So this happened in July. I think I moved out in like June. So I hadn't been gone that long yeah. and just things were moving. And one of the things that he said to her was that he was just happy that she was happy. He was like, I'm I'm good with that. He's like, you know, you're with somebody that I I care for and I respect and I'm happy that you're happy. I'm at peace with that. And we had like a family barbecue in June, like I want to say the 25th, maybe two weeks or so prior to Justin's passing. We as siblings had a conversation in the car 
telling him like, oh, this is what we think you should do. Like, we want you to go to these places and just had like a real sibling conversation that I think that, you know, has given us a lot of peace. And I've never really talked to my brother about that. Now I want to talk to him about it to to see how he feels about it. Because it's just like one of those things that when I look back in retrospect, it's given me peace knowing that he was happy with everything that we had going on. And he was in a good place, you know, before he passed. And just being able to accept that and receive that, it wasn't like he passed in a way, although he, he passed in a violent way, it wasn't, you know, something of his own doing, you know, he wasn't afraid of anyone or wasn't the kind of situation where he had put himself at risk and we were, you know, worried about him. He was really just doing the things he was supposed to be doing and he was in a good space. I recorded his like Instagram story from that day <laughs> because I sometimes I just like to watch it and see that he had a good Friday. Like that was a good day for him. He went out, he went to a Reading Terminal and he got salmon and he was driving on Columbus Boulevard. He he genuinely had a, a peaceful day. So I always like to look at that as like just a part of the, the process and just be like, okay, he, he was he was happy. Um, I'd like to do the same thing right before my mom passed. We were at my grandfather's birthday party and we were playing games, which like my mom loves. And so I do the same thing. Like I like to go back and look at it because I'm like, if I, I mean, I know I feel terrible, but like at least I know that she was happy. Um, and, you know, it takes like a lot of like selflessness to be able to kind of come to terms with that because, you know, the person that you love enjoying their last moments, enjoying their last day really to me is the most important thing. It's like I'm going through what I'm going through now and that sucks, but my mom was happy. And mm-hmm. I believe that because I believe in heaven, you know, personally, and I think that she's there and I think that she's happy now. And so I do try to also kind of reflect on those things in the midst of my sadness. And it sometimes helps alleviate the pain a little bit. Wow. I can't believe we're almost at time. <laughs> it goes by so quickly. It does. Before I let you go, though, I want to ask you, because right now you're grieving a couple different things. You're grieving the life that you had, you're grieving your brother, you're grieving the relationship you had with your mom or with your siblings or even with your dad, you know, you're just grieving so many things right now. Do you think that they're all being approached differently or do you think they've kind of like been mushed into one ball that you're all trying to kind of tackle all at the same time? I think that they're all being approached differently because they're at different spaces and like different walks. Like my relationship with my dad, unfortunately, has like changed in a negative way. And part of that, it is its own sense of grieving because although I do feel like I lost part of my mom, I feel like I lost a whole part of my dad because he's just not where he was prior to Justin's passing versus like with my mom, I think that I am grieving the part of her that and fixated sounds negative, but it's not, but I'm grieving the part of her that did not have to fixate on the loss of my brother where she was still her own individual person and not that she is not an individual anymore, but she carries around like, this is the legacy of my son. I want you to know him for any person she encounters. It's just a part of her life story. And right now it is the center of her life story because it is something she's still working through because it is so new. So I don't think that they necessarily all get all together because I approach them differently. Where some I approach with more love, some I approach with better boundaries, more restraint. You know, some I have to approach with more grace and understanding, like with my brother. You know, we are on two different paths. 
for him losing his younger brother, him being the only son now, there's different parts. And like you had mentioned earlier, people can all be grieving one person, but you were a different person to different people. So the brother that he's grieving is different than the brother that I'm grieving, is different than Justin as a boyfriend to his girlfriend, is different than Justin as a son to his mom or to his dad, you know, and Justin as a friend to his homeboys that were all just like, damn, we lost our brother. (laughs) We lost two of our brothers at one time and just as young Black men who are living in a city that's really difficult right now, their own grieving process. So I would say that they sometimes get much together because it's a lot to deal with, but they all have their own respective paths. Wow, Alexis, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your transparency. Before I let you go, the one last thing, if there's anything that you could say to your mom right now, what would you say? (sighs) I would say that I appreciate her, you know, I think that love is one thing. I do love her regardless, but, you know, giving people their flowers, I appreciate her. One of the things I always want her to know, you know, I'm sure she'll listen to this because she already asked me, (laughs) but that I appreciate her for who she is as a woman. Her name is Dana. So y'all names are kind of close. Yes. (laughs) She, uh, I appreciate her for her strength her transparency, the times when she's not able to be her strongest, her still being transparent with me. Um, and I just appreciate her as as a mom. Well, Alexis, before I let you go, is there anything else that you wanted to say that I didn't touch on? Um, no, just that for anyone that's listening, that no matter who you've lost, whether it be a parent, a sibling, you know, a pet loss, oh. All of the losses, for lack of a better word, matter. And wherever you're at in your stage of grief, give yourself some grace. Love on yourself so that way you can love on other people. And just be careful not to pour out too much because you can't pour from an empty cup. So still pour into yourself throughout the grieving process. Awesome. Well, again, Alexis, thank you so much for being here. And I appreciate all of this so much. And I know your brother, Rob. So it's nice to meet <laughs> yes. um, another sibling. Thank you again. I just, I am so sorry that you're going through all you're going through right now. And my love and my prayers are definitely with you guys wholeheartedly. If you ever need anything from me, I am here. But I also want to thank you guys for listening. Of course. But I also want to thank you guys for listening to another episode of Damn Mom, Really? The podcast that nobody wants to be on and everybody wants to listen to. I will see you guys in 10 days. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave us a review and a comment. It's super, super helpful to us. And as promised, there's a relaxing cool down slash guided meditation by Liliana Rasmussen coming up in five, four, three, two. Welcome to this guided meditation session to create a safe place for you. Chronic pain can be very hard to handle, but many times when we create a mental image of our suffering, we tend to aggravate this pain, thus increasing it. Then every time we feel the sensation, we will have a negative thought attached to it on a conscious and subconscious level. So what this meditation will teach you are techniques to change the mental image that has been created from this pain, and instead implement a peaceful association with pleasant visualizations that create a warmer bonding between you and your body's sensations. This allows you to accept and allow, instead of fight and push away. Make sure you're in a very comfortable position. Sit down or lay down if that feels good for you, however you need to position yourself so that none of your muscles are activated or tense. Every part of your body can rest and feel completely relaxed during this meditation. 
Begin by taking five deep breaths to relax even more. One, full breath in and let it go. Two, fully inhale and exhale. Three, breathe in as much as you can and let it go, feeling a wave of relaxation come over you. Four, inhale deeply and exhale, feeling invigorated. Five, last one, fully inhale and exhale, feeling any tension loosen up and your body feeling extremely relaxed. Good. And just allow your breath to slow and flow naturally now. Don't try to change anything about it. Just notice the calmness that these five breaths gifted you. Notice how your body breathes without you doing anything at all. Begin to feel any sensations that you associate with your pain. Bring them into your awareness and allow these feelings to multiply. You're completely safe and secure. It's okay to allow these sensations to arise. They will not harm you. Put all of your focus on these areas. Really feel their exact position and the quality of the sensations. What's the pain like for you? Is it stinging, tingling, or burning? Perhaps it's like something else. In your mind, describe every detail and then sit with it. Be entirely with it while it presents itself. Don't do anything about it except feel it. Allow the sensations to grow and don't stop them. Just see what they do. Notice the details of changes the sensations make. Good, you're doing so well. Now switch your focus and bring into your mind's eye a visual of a place you love to go or have been to that is very serene and peaceful for you. It could be an imaginary place, like on top of a gorgeous mountain, or somewhere you frequently go, like a nearby nature path. Your favorite place could be as simple as your warm, cozy bed next to a loved one. Wherever this place is for you, see it vividly right now. Start by visualizing all the physical aspects of this place. Where are you? What do you see when you look up? If you're outside, it could be the sky. If you're in a safe room somewhere, it could be the ceiling. Notice everything you see when you look up. Now look down and at your feet. What does the ground look like below you? Gaze all around this favorite place of yours, making the colors bright and vivid. Make out even more details now, like the leaves on the trees and plants or the things that are placed around the room. Do you notice any patterns anywhere? They could be patterns in nature, like the way things grow or the patterns of fabrics and objects in a room. Notice every pattern you can find in great detail. The more details you can imagine, the better. How dark or light out is it? What time of the day do you think it is? And make a judgment about the placement of the sun in the sky. Which way is the light of the sun coming into your imagination? Look at all of the beautiful things that make this place so enjoyable for you. Use your visual creativity of this place for the next several moments. Nice. Now you are going to bring about the sensations this beautiful spot offers. Start by tapping your feet on the ground. Is the surface hard or soft? Feel the ground below you here with your feet, noticing anything you can about it. Become aware of the temperature in this place. Is it cool or warm or hot? Is there a breeze blowing or is the air calm and still? Can you feel the sun on your skin? Sit with these sensations for a few moments and enjoy them. Are there any smells here? If you're imagining the beach, maybe you can smell the salty air, or if you're in a forest, the smell of nature. Just notice how your sense of smell can create sensations of aromas for you when you put your mind to it. What about sounds? 
Bring fully into this experience any sounds that surround you here. Perhaps you hear a loved one nearby. Perhaps you're alone and you can hear the sounds that nature creates for you. Vividly hear any sounds in this experience. Sit with these senses activated for a few moments and begin to interact with your environment. Great. To relax even further, become aware of what you're doing here. Are you sitting down and relaxing or walking around and exploring? Are you doing exactly what you love and want to do? See yourself being completely relaxed and happy here. There's no need to do anything here but relax and enjoy it. Be assured that this place is always here for you to keep you safe if you need to flee from pain. Take another slow and deep breath in. And as you exhale, you feel at complete peace with yourself and all the sensations in your body. As I speak these words to you, you are changing the mental images associated with your pain. Whenever you feel overwhelmed by the sensations in your body, repeat this exercise to accept the pain and change the thoughts associated with it. When you use this technique, you will stop the pain from becoming aggravated and growing stronger. When you vividly visualize a safe and peaceful place in moments of distress, you are slowing down your pulse and blood pressure, creating a peaceful and strong connection to your body and mind. Allow yourself to slowly become aware of your surroundings, and whenever you're ready, open your eyes, ready to go about your day peacefully.